Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. Back here at Scout Fantasy Sports, Adam Ronis here solo for the final hour, taking you until 4 p.m. Eastern. As we do each and every weekday, 2 to 4 p.m. And you can always check it out on demand anytime you want if you can't miss it live. Follow me on Twitter at Adam Ronis on the gram at Aaron88. And you can check out all my work, scoutfantasysports.com. I've already finished my initial ranking, so they should be posted maybe today, tomorrow, any day now. They'll be posted. Dr. Roto's rankings are up. Sean Childs will be up soon as well. In addition to the great content in our fantasy baseball draft kit, in-depth team outlooks from Sean Childs. He has a look at the Arizona Diamondbacks today. He's already completed the entire American League as well as the NL East and the NL Central going in-depth, giving you player breakdowns of everyone, the projected starting lineups, starting pitchers, relief pitchers, players on the bench, very in-depth, excellent reading to help you prepare to dominate for the upcoming season. Uh, Dr. Otto has a recap of his FSTA draft. And I'm taking a look at a lot of different players. Uh, for example, Jesus Aguirre, he had a breakout year last year. Can he bounce back this I mean, Can he continue this year? Uh, today's look is at Rugnet Odor. Numbers weren't great last year. He had a hamstring injury. Uh, but there were some encouraging signs. What were they? You can read that article and find out. What does Yasil Puig on the Reds do for his fantasy value? Daniel Murphy going to the Rockies. Nelson Cruz with the Twins. Sonny Gray going to the... Uh, to the Reds, so a lot of different looks at players that change teams. What does it mean for their fantasy value? Also, a couple of players I think that are very overrated. One going in the second round, one going in the fourth. So just uh, check out our fantasy baseball draft kit to find out who I'm talking about. Uh, use the promo code BATS50. You get 50% off your first two months. You get to ask questions on the message boards and the forums. Uh, so you can go into detail about your dynasty league trades, keeper league trades, who to pick draft strategy, whatever it is, we will answer it and help you out. Of course, if you're ready to draft, uh, play FFWC.com for the Scout 44s and 88s. And what these are, are uh, you can pay $44 or $88, 12-team leagues, 44-round drafts. You draft your team, that's it. Just set your lineup each week, and it goes till the end of August. Uh, whatever that last Sunday is, right before Labor Day, that's when it ends, so it doesn't interfere with your football uh, leagues uh, and obviously you guys will be playing in a lot of them so this is good prep to get you ready and uh, prepare for the upcoming season so you can jump in them today myself and Dr. Roto will be participating in them so you can play against us and try to take us down uh, I was in four last year finished three in first and second in the other so if you want to challenge bring it on just like the rock said I'm ready bring it on uh, we also have you covered on ScoutDFS.com. No NBA for the next six days. What am I going to do? Uh, 
It's always good to have a break, but definitely enjoy that adrenaline rush of uh, setting a lineup every night and winning some money. So a little break there, but we got NHL. If you want to try that, Optimizer, the NHL guys doing great stuff this year. And PGA as well, including Optimizers and Slack chats leading up to lineup lock. So there's plenty of ways that we cover you. In addition, VegasWhispers.com for your sports betting need uh, as it's becoming more legal in states every single day fortunately i'm in jersey so i can just hop on an app anytime submit a bet uh prop bets i think prop bets are a good thing too uh, especially nba because if you get some of that last minute news this guy's going to be out the prop bets don't move as quickly so that is a, a real tip for you for those that are in states where you can wager uh check out the prop bets on players you know points rebounds assists especially the nba because we get a lot of surprising news in that last hour so as soon as you see this guy's been ruled out and we didn't know for the day, hop on and look at the player props. Uh, so, example, Giannis, you know, all of a sudden he's out. Uh, look at, you know, Chris Middleton's props, Eric Bledsoe's props, because they'll probably be low. And you can uh, pop in a quick bet and take advantage of that. So it's just a little tip there for those that are doing the sports betting. Coming up in this hour, Joe Pisapia. Uh, from the uh, Black Book. He will join me to talk about his labor draft. He had the number one pick in mixed league labor this past week. So we will talk about his draft and some of his thoughts on the players he took and the strategy that he employed. And uh, I'll take a look at one of my drafts going on right now, kind of give a breakdown. But I want to start it off with some news that's uh, we're hearing in spring training. And obviously there's some stuff that come out right now that are, that are actually interesting. And obviously a lot of this can change. But Things to pay attention to. So one of the things that I'm looking at with the Philadelphia Phillies, I'm trying to figure out right now is, okay, uh, what is the batting order going to be? Because we know in fantasy where you hit in the order is very important. We obviously want guys hitting higher in the order because their counting stats are going to be better. Uh, if you hit lower in the order, you're going to get less at-bats, uh, especially in the National League. got a pitcher hitting near the bottom of the order. It's going to hurt you in terms of runs scored. Uh, and you can see, I mean, it's correlated well. I mean, most – the players who produce the most RBIs usually are hitting in the three, four, five spot. And that's why I think, you know, it's important to get a hundred RBI guy in the first round if possible, because we know most of the guys that hit three through five, we're going to go in the first few rounds. So when I look at the Phillies, the biggest question I have is where Cesar Hernandez going to hit? Because this guy, if he hits leadoff like he has been the last few years, it's tremendous for his fantasy value. I mean, this is clearly an improved lineup that could potentially add a Manny Machado or a Bryce Harper, making it even better. But you look at Hernandez last year, 15 homers, 60 RBIs, 91 runs, 19 stolen bases, and a 253 average. But in on-base percentage leagues, he's even better. Uh, he always draws walks. He's had at least a 10% walk rate three straight years. Actually, last year at 13.4% was a career high. So his OBP was 356. Career OBP to 357. And this is always a guy that we can get in the middle rounds. He doesn't cost much at all. He's in leadoff. I mean, you have to like him. This is a guy that, uh, you know, he's not an elite power hitter. I mean, last year was the first time in his career he hit double-digit home runs. He had nine in 128 games in 2017. So you're looking at potentially 12 to 15 home runs. We know it's a, a great park. Uh, power is not why you're drafting him. But if you're going to get a guy there, you know, you hope to get at least, you know, double-digit home runs. He clearly can steal bases, as we've seen over the last few years. You know, he's last four years, 19, 17, 15, 19. Again, it's not 30, it's not 35, but give me 15 to 20. That's huge. Then you have 
him, if he's hitting atop the order, the run scored he's going to have, I mean, that is really big. So his value to me really swings depending on where he hits in the order. Because if you look at the way this team is composed right now, they can go in a variety of directions. They could hit Andrew McCutcheon leadoff. He's a good OBP guy. Then they could hit Segura second. They could hit Real Mew through third, Hoskins fourth. Then, okay, who are you hitting fifth? Mikhail Franco, probably Nick Williams, put the lefty in there. Then Franco, Odubel, and then Cesar Hernandez, eighth. But the way it's composed now, I mean, I I think Hernandez has a really good shot. Now, Gabe Kapler said that Hernandez will be given a long look as the leadoff hitter this spring, and that both him and McCutcheon, you know, I guess are a possibility. That really swings Hernandez's value for me. Obviously, he's way more appealing in the Leo spot. If he hits eight, I mean, he's still okay in the eight spot, but it's going to hurt him in the run scored category because you want him to get 90, 95 runs. And if he hits leadoff in this lineup, he will do it. If he hits eighth, it's going to be a problem. It's going to hurt his numbers for sure. Uh, the average has kind of been all over the place. You know, the last three years, 272, 294, 253. And that goes to show, you know, the fluctuation in average for some players. He's a career 276 hitter. And you could see the batting average of balls in play has kind of been, you know, 342, 363, 353, 315. So he's generally been a guy, uh, you know, 343 is his career mark. So I think he's going to hit 270, 275. So the key is, where does he hit in the order? So really something to pay attention to. Uh, but the other thing is with Gabe Kapler, it could change constantly. You know, he could open the season with Cesar Hernandez hitting leadoff, and the lineup struggles, and all of a sudden he changes things. And also, of course, where Machado and Harper, if one of these guys comes in, you know, you could see them hitting third, you know, maybe pushes Hoskins to four, Real Muto goes five. So there's a lot of moving parts here. So if you've already drafted Hernandez, I think you definitely want to see him in the leadoff spot. So batting order is definitely very important. Malik Smith, he's going to be held out of early defensive drills. He's dealing with a right elbow injury. Uh, Apparently, he hurt this during the offseason a few weeks ago. He's able to hit, but might not play defense for a bit. Doesn't sound serious, but Malik Smith to me, again, anyone who knows me, I will not take these players that are mainly a contributor in stolen bases. It's not the way I like to build my teams. I don't think that it is something that, can you win with it? Sure. And again, it all comes down to the roster competition and how your team is built. Maybe you just load up on power early on. But Malik Smith, I see going in the sixth round of drafts. I can't do it, man. I just can't. I'm not willing to pay that price for stolen bases, and especially when you're talking about one isolated league where you can make trades. Now, when you're talking a high-stakes league where you're playing for an overall, sure, there's more value there. But even then, I mean, you put yourself in a hole in power. I mean, stolen bases are down, which means you don't need as many to you know, finish in a competitive area of the category. And we did see power drop a little bit last year. But you still need a lot of home runs, runs, and RBIs. Malik Smith, two homers, 40 RBIs, man. That doesn't work for me and the way I build my teams. It just it doesn't help. Yeah, he, hits two, he hit 296 last year. He's a Cree 277 hitter. But I just can't take Malik Smith in the 6th, 7th round. And that's where I see him go consistently. And labor, he went in round 8. Even then, um, I'd rather piece it together. And I've said that. And I will go over a draft in the next segment where I do that. I... You could look at the history of my teams. Never have D. Gordon. Never have Billy Hamilton. They don't fit what I do when I build my teams. 
And again, you can call me up and email me and post in a message where it's, hey, I won my league and I had this guy. I'm not saying it can't be done, but I think you need a lot of things to go right in other areas. You're going to need all those power hitters early on to go off because two homers in 40 RBIs is a major problem. It's a big hole when you're taking that player in the first eight rounds, and I just cannot do it. Now, Billy Hamilton's price has gone down. I'm more open to it. I still think I can't do it. I just get 11th round for him yesterday. Look, he could get 50, 60 stolen bases. Now, it's different in a trading league because I really do think in the middle of the year, Hamilton holds appeal for sure. You know, I could see myself trading for a Billy Hamilton in July if I was right in the middle of pack of steals. And, you know, he is a guy that can boost you four or five points in the category. But that's the middle of the season. You know, then you have an idea of what your team looks like. You see where you sit in the categories, and then you make a trade accordingly to catapult yourself up those categories. But I'm not going into the season with those type of players on my team. And last year is an example. You took Billy Hamilton last year. You got burned. D. Gordon. Like, I don't want to Yes, D. Gordon hits for average. I just will not do it. Uh, it just does not fit the way that I build my teams. And, I honestly have not seen many teams where they take those players, they have success. Can it be done? Yes. Anything can be done, especially if you compose the right team. But I'm not taking those guys on my team. just doesn't fit the way that I build my team. Ned Yost said that he's considering a platoon at first base between Ryan O'Hearn and Hunter Dozier. Uh, they want to see if O'Hearn could hit lefties, so he might not play against the tougher lefties right now. And O'Hearn was pretty good last year. Uh, we saw some power. He had a 1.108 OPS against righties, but struggled against lefties at uh, 465 OPS. I've always said this, though, and Michael Conforto is an example. You know, I hate when these teams don't give these uh, lefties an opportunity to hit lefties, and it's a possibility that maybe they suck and they can't hit left-handed pitching. But I think you got to give them a sample size before we determine that they can't do it. So, you know, our hard only saw 44 games last year, 12 homers, 30 RBIs, batted 262. Uh, showed decent power in the minor league. So he's someone a late in a deep mixed league you can get as a corner infield spot. But, you know, I, I, he's 25 years old, and I think you got to give these guys an opportunity to, to hit lefties before you say they can't. I mean, I, that's all I heard. Michael Conforto can't hit lefties. He can't hit lefties. Well, he got more of an opportunity last year. He actually had a higher batting average against lefties, left-handed pitching than he did against righties. So once they get the opportunity to see lefties more consistently will help. If you're only seeing them... You know, once every two weeks, I don't see how you can make a, a determination. Last year, O'Hearn had 37 at-bats against lefties, four hits, two homers, three RBIs, uh, only hit 108. That's pretty bad. But again, it's 37 at-bats over 25 games. So you'd like to see a bigger sample size. And it might turn out that that stays consistent and he can hit lefties. But I think you need to give these guys an opportunity. I feel like we're seeing a new story every day about teams not naming a closer. And we went over several of them yesterday, so you could always check that out on demand. But once again, we were hearing murmurs of this for a few days, but Reds manager David Bell confirmed that he would not strictly use Rosselli Iglesias in a traditional closer role this season. That was mentioned about a week ago, but they said they're going to use him in the most important spots of the game. And I understand that. It sucks for fantasy. If you've already drafted Iglesias in the first 9, 10 rounds, you hate to hear this news. And it doesn't mean his value is squashed. You know, maybe he gets 25 saves instead of 35. Uh, but he went around eight. 
of the mixed league labor draft the other day because I think a lot of people are counting him as one of the more reliable closers. And I understand why teams are doing this. Look, if it's the seventh inning and you have first and second with one out and you're up four to two, you know, that could be the most important part of the game. You bring in a Iglesias and he gets two strikeouts. You preserve the lead. You let him pitch the eighth and you find someone else to pitch the ninth where maybe possibility that you extend the lead. So from a MLB perspective, I completely get it because that's really, that could turn out to be a more important part of the game than the ninth. You could be losing by the time you go to the ninth. The goal there is to to get out of that inning, keep it a two-run game, and let your offense tack on some runs in the bottom of the seventh. So it's going to be real frustrating for fantasy purposes this year uh, because we're, I think we're going to see a lot of this. So you have to keep that in mind. And the lesson is don't overpay for closers, especially when their grip on the closer role is not 100%. So... Just keep that in mind, and I feel like we say it every year, but people get in a draft, they panic, and they wind up taking a closer a little bit earlier than they should. So it is going to make it interesting, and maybe it pushes up the price of some players this year. When we return, I'm going to talk about a draft that I'm participating in now, talk about some of my early picks, my thoughts as I built the team. That is ahead. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern on a Friday. We get set for the weekend, and this should be a big fantasy baseball study weekend for you guys. No NBA this weekend. We got the All-Star game. Maybe you're a hockey fan. You got hockey. I know there's some golf. I think there's NASCAR this weekend, too. But still, this is a big weekend to really dive deep into fantasy baseball. Sit down there and do some research. You, You got Valentine's Day done. You did your thing with your lady yesterday, all right? They got their attention. This is Fantasy Baseball Study Weekend. And the way you do that, scoutfantasysports.com. Because we got your Fantasy Baseball Draft Kit. And if you haven't started already, you're behind. But it's not too late. I mean, it's going to... Sean Child's in-depth team outlooks, they take some time, man. They're they're pretty in-depth. So you want to get started now. He's already completed the American League. And he's almost done with the National League. Arizona Diamondbacks are up. I have a ton of articles and a lot more to come. I have sleepers, players rising up draft boards. My rankings will be posted either today or tomorrow. Dr. Roto's rankings are up. Sean Childs will have his rankings. My latest is a look at Rugnet Odor. The cheapest he has been in years. Is that a bargain? Is it a buying price? Or are there red flags? You can read the article and find out. So tons of great content. Use the promo code BATS50. You'll get 50% off your first two months. Uh, seeing here, too, uh, one of the big things in the industry that's coming up is the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. If you're not familiar with it, uh, it was put together by Justin Mason last year. And I think last year there was about 180 teams, so it was leagues of 15 teams. And then there was an overall 
uh, uh, championship as well. So I was fortunate to win my league last year. And all the, so all the people who won a league last year are in the same league this year. So it's going to be really tough, man. But, hey, uh, you want to take on the best competition. It'll be a challenge. So uh, look forward to that league. There's going to be 315 owners this year, 21 leagues. And uh, it kicks off on the 24th, so a week from Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern. It's a slow draft. So I'll keep you posted on that, let you know how I'm forming my teams. It looks like uh, the draft spots are going to be announced on Tuesday. So I'll have to set my KDS in the order I want, and uh, we'll find out on Tuesday where I pick. So I know a lot of people are in this uh, and uh, are interested in it, a lot of people in the industry. So... Uh, actually, wait, the draft starts Monday, the 24th at 1 p.m. Eastern. So uh, it's a 30-round draft. It'll be a slow draft and a uh, four-hour clock. And that seems to be the, the way. I'm doing a draft now with a two-hour clock, and people still complain. It's uh, unbelievable. So um, I have not expired on the clock yet. So fortunately, uh, that has worked out well, and uh, I don't expect to. But there are times sometimes you, you don't get the email in time. But um Definitely, uh, it's a good way to prep. And again, you, you can do it with us at uh, scoutfantasysports.com, playffwc.com. The uh, ours is a little bit different. Twelve team leagues, forty-four rounds, and it ends right at the beginning of September, right before your football season starts. So forty-four, eighty-eight bucks, uh, and all you do is draft your team. No trades, no waiver wire moves. Set your lineup each week, and let it determine where you finish and I was in four leagues last year one three finished second in the other so successfully year for me in that format so if you want the challenge to try and take me down you think you're good as the rock says just bring it so you can sign up there today I uh, wanted to take a look at a league that I'm in right now and uh, kind of just talk about the way that I uh, formulated my team and you know I kind of, I, I like, it wasn't, the plan didn't go that smoothly as far as the closers, and I've mentioned that. And even in a draft Champions League where you, you kind of, you know, you're going to need some closers because you can't go to the waiver wire, or you have to hope that maybe you can pick up some relievers late that can work their way into closing. I got to say, for me last year, I don't think that worked out. I think a lot of the guys in uh, this one particular league, None of them wound up closing. So, you know, we think we have an idea of who can close. You know, we look at the depth charts and like, oh, he's next. But as I've mentioned many times, a lot of times when we see these uh, closers that wind up in the job, they weren't even discussed before the year. So you have to keep that in mind. You know, we think we know now, well, if this guy gets hurt, he's going to be the pick. But it, do it doesn't always work out that way. So... Guys come out of nowhere and wind up closing. And that's why you have to to be careful of uh, who, you, who you select because it looks like you think that you have someone that can work their way into the closer role, and a lot of times they don't get there. It's someone that comes off the board. So I still don't want to overpay, though. And especially if you're not playing in an overall, you can still have success. Uh, I finished second in this league last year, and I had Blake Trinan. So that really was a, a major factor for me. Um, that was obviously a big get because he was dominant. He was one of the best closers. And I loved him. Anyone who listened to the show last year 
or right. read my work. I mean, I had Blake Trinan ranked, I think, 11th or 12th at closer. I, I don't know if anyone had him higher. I don't look at everyone's rankings. I kind of hear people talk about things. And I really didn't hear a lot of talk about Trinan. But I, I, he was the guy that I wanted in all my leagues. And I got him in most. But, um, you know, it's, it's going to be more difficult to find that guy this year. I have, an, I, I have someone in mind that could be not as dominant as him. But still kind of sorting through that right now, trying to figure out what to do. But in this draft, you know, I started um, with Manny Machado, and that might be a risk right now for sure. But uh, I do think he'll wind up on a, on a pretty good team. Obviously, if it's the Padres, you don't feel great about that. Phillies would be ideal. Um, but we have seen Machado kind of fall a little bit, but he's been one of the more consistent players, so I don't mind taking him. Round two, at pick 20 overall, took Freddie Freeman. I've always liked Freddie Freeman. He's someone that crushes the ball, always hits a ton of line drives. And I was a little disappointed, though, at the power last year, uh, especially in that ballpark, which is really good for lefties. Um, he's obviously he had the wrist injury, I think it was two years ago. But I still think that Freeman you know, has this bigger ceiling, and, and I really like this lineup. So I expect uh, Freeman to produce good numbers once again i know i will not take players early due to position scarcity i don't believe it is. i think you got to get the best numbers early but i think if you do like have a tie between two players and you go man this is really close uh you know what do i do and you know it's between first base and maybe a position that's more deeper then i could see maybe you know going in that direction and say you know what uh third first base out pretty quickly, so let me take that one over the potential shortstop. But in general, though, I think you want to take the guy that's going to give you the better numbers. I've always said that. Uh, you, If you know the player pool well, you will figure it out uh, later on in the draft and find someone that can fit the bill of what you're looking for. So this wasn't a case of I have to get my first baseman. This was a case of, you know, he's one of the better players on the bar. That, and, and I don't know if we've seen the the ceiling for Freeman yet. You know, he had 34 home runs two years ago, only 23 last year, but hit 309. And that's another thing. The batting average floor that you get from Freeman, it allows you to take chances later on on these power hitters that might give you a 240 average. And if you bake in that high average um, early on in the draft, it just gives you more flexibility. You know, Manny Machado should hit 300. So should Freeman. Freeman the last three years, 302, 307, 309. I think we see some consistency there. Last year, now, you always look at this, too. When you see numbers, look and see how many games they played in. So Freeman played in 162 games last year. So you never are going to project anyone for 162. Now, he did miss time two years ago because the the wrist, where he played 117. And the year before that, he played 158. So it, it, last year actually was the second time in his career, too, that he played 162. So he's a guy, for the most part, that stays on the field because he had 94 runs, 98 RBIs, also 10 stolen bases, eight, two years ago. So what I did here, and I talk about piecing the stolen bases together, Machado could get 10 to 15. Freeman can get eight to 10. You're like, that's not a lot. It's something. So right there, even if you want to be moderate, 20 stolen bases. Okay. Got a pretty good base. Uh, third round is uh, where I took uh, another uh, pitcher here in the third round, and that was Noah Syndergaard now at pick 41. Now, we know Syndergaard definitely has some some flaws, and it's really the health. Uh, he did get a, hit a little bit harder last year, but we know he's got immense upside if he can put it together. 
We've seen this guy just go out there and dominate. And he is healthy right now. And it's just a matter of how many innings you're going to get out of him. Now, the strikeout rate did dip last year. It's a little bit of a concern, uh, 24.1%, but the control was pretty good. Uh, and there's still a lot of ability here. He gets a ton of ground balls. He doesn't give up a lot of fly balls. Uh, it seemed like he gave up, to me, more hard contact last year. But his hard hit rate was only 21.9%. That's really low. It just seemed, though, that at times, maybe it was stretches. Again, I watch almost every start for him. It seemed at times the fastball was straight and guys would get good swings on it. And maybe it was just certain games. I mean, the velocity's still there. He was throwing 97 last year, got the good slider uh, and the change. So, look, there's a lot of ability for Syndergaard. And I think we all know it's just a matter of him staying healthy and putting it together. But once you get into that range, when you're picking there in the late third round, I had the 11th pick, it's, uh, that's what, kind of what you're looking at. So I wanted to get at least one pitcher there. So Syndergaard was the guy. Round four to Chris Davis of the A's. And in this format, he's only eligible utility. But you guys have heard me say this. I don't care if I have to lock up my utility early. I've mentioned it year after year with Nelson Cruz. I want the stats. Does it, it, and it does hurt your flexibility a little bit later on in the draft. It absolutely does. It doesn't matter. As I say, you'll figure it out. But Chris Davis in the fourth round is a guy that just consistently gives you elite power numbers. And I'm pretty sure we can pencil in his batting average this year for 247 because he's done it four straight years. So if no one, if someone's projecting Chris Davis to hit other than 247, they're not paying attention. No, I'm just kidding, but you know there. Um, he is just an elite power hitter, uh, even in that ballpark. Look at the last three years, at least 42 runs. He had 48 last year, at least 100 RBIs. Run scored two, uh, and he's played at 150 games. So, yeah, the average is not great, but you're getting elite power numbers across the board. And uh, safe bet to uh, pencil in Chris Davis for 40 home runs. And, again, with the two guys I have early on, you know, I can absorb uh, a little batting average hit there. So 247 is not that bad anymore anyway with uh, the major league average going down. Fifth round, I got Tommy Pham, and it's funny because we saw Tommy Pham go last pick of the third round in labor in a 15-team This is a 15-team league. I was able to get Tommy Pham a little bit later on. I picked 71. So another guy here where, um, you know, looking at 15 to 20 steals. So now uh, I've addressed the stolen base category pretty well, you know, maybe right, right uh, in the middle of the pack, maybe in the upper portion of the league without spending too much capital. Fam had 15 steals last year, 25 two years ago. He was also not completely healthy last year, so maybe that number goes up. And so now I'm getting a, a little bit of pop. You know, he's more of a 20 to 25 homer guy, and uh, we'll get some steals. And the average is pretty good. He's a career 279 hitter, 275 last year, 306 two years ago when he had a 368 Babbitt. Last year, 342 career mark for the Babbitt is 351. Remember, it's for each individual. Now, I'd like to see him hit more fly balls to increase the power, but uh, definitely makes consistent hard contact and will help him across the board. So took him in the fifth round. In sixth round, at pick 80, David Dahl. Definitely some risk here with Dahl. Uh, we all know how good he is, and he's in Coors Field. Uh, for, uh, but this was a, a kind of swinging for the fences here. And we saw what Dahl did last year in September. He was tremendous. Now, he has had a lot of injuries. He's only 24 years old. He turns 25 April 1st. 
But look what he did in, in that final month. Nine homers, 27 RBIs, and a two eighty seven average over 24 games. So we know this guy could hit. And he's got Coors Field as home. And he can steal bases, too. You know, he had uh, five steals in 77 games last year. And we saw in the minor leagues he would run. So there's definitely big, big potential. And, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty high price for him. But, you know, easily one that he could return uh, this year at Coors Field. Round seven took my second pitcher, Miles Michaelis. And Michaelis was someone who had a really good year last year. I actually traded for him in tout wars because uh, I was looking to kind of get that whip and ERA down. And he actually almost helped me win it. Uh, was trailing most of the season uh, going into that final Friday of the weekend. Wound up tying Rudy Gamble for first. And as we talked about yesterday with Rudy, he won the league on the final day of the season. But Michaelis was a, a key piece. Now, Michaelis might not be appealing for some because of the low strikeout rate. Only 18.1% last year. But that walk rate, 3.6%. Uh, 1.07 whip. And a 2.83 ERA. So those are things... So, yeah, the strikeouts, you know, it, it hurts a little bit. You, you want more strikeouts. But especially if he can go 200 innings, it softens it a little bit. And, you know, he did go 200 innings last year. But a lot of these numbers, to me, are repeatable. I mean, a guy's a, a good pitcher, uh, gets quite a few ground balls, doesn't allow a lot of hard contact, and he throws like 94. I still think there's ability here for him to actually improve. And maybe he doesn't become so fine um, and, and, you know – he threw first pitch strike 70.8% of the time last year. That's insane. So maybe he starts to pitch out of the strike zone just a little bit. Because I think when people know that you're throwing so many strikes, you know, they're, they're sitting on some pitches and making contact. And obviously that contact didn't hurt him last year. But 9.6% swinging strike rate. I still think there's ability for him to get more strikeouts here. And I'm interested to see if maybe he doesn't, throw it in the strike zone as much and gets hitters to chase a little bit. I think that's something that I want to watch with him this year. Maybe that increases the the strikeout ability because obviously a lot of contact was made. The balls were put in play, and obviously it didn't hurt him, but it did affect the strikeout number. So that's something to keep an eye on. Round 8, 110 overall. I could not pass this guy up. Jose Peraza. This is a guy that I took at tout worse two years ago. He burned me. And now you're starting to see what he can do. And I already had a shortstop, but... So I'm locking up my middle here. So I locked up my middle infield spot, which is not ideal this year because, as I mentioned, there's a lot of good depth at shortstop and second base. And keep in mind that I also locked up my utility spot. So I'm hurting myself with some flexibility here. But I I think Peraza can be like 15-30, you know? And in that ballpark, hitting leadoff in that lineup, the guy hit 288 last year. Uh, so I think I can get a good average. And, you know, one of these guys, I think he can even get 30, 35 steals. It's certainly possible. I think he really started to come into his own last year. He can run. And I really like what the Reds have done. He doesn't get caught much. So it was really hard for me to pass that up here. And I already had a good base of power. Now I'm adding another 30 steals to uh, several guys who can steal a little bit. So I got Fam who can contribute in some steals, Dahl, Machado, Freeman. So that's what I like to do. And it's not always going to work out that way. But that's what I say when I say piece it together little by little with the steals. And I think I did that here where now I don't have to worry about chasing Malik Smith and these guys who only give you the stolen bases. So it doesn't always work out that way, but I find a way to do it in a lot of drafts. And that's what I recommend you guys doing. So I'll touch upon this next week a little bit more. But when we come back, Joe Pisapia, the fantasy black book, 
He was in the labor draft the other night. He had pick number one. We'll get his thoughts on his draft next when we wrap it up. Scout Fantasy Sports, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern on a Friday afternoon. If you like to wager on sports or never have and would like to try, head on over to BetDSI. They have wagering options for almost any sport you can think of, including sides, totals, and player props, where you can utilize your daily fantasy skills without salary cap constraints. You can even wager on esports, politics, and reality TV. Or get an edge with live betting at BetDSI, where you can wager virtually any time during a contest, capitalizing on in-game circumstances. There are so many ways you can make money. Use the promo code FNTSY101 when signing up and get a 100% bonus deposit match. So head on over and open your account at BetDSI. That's promo code FNTSY101 to get your 100% bonus deposit match. Joining me now, it is Joe Pisapia from the Fantasy Black Book. He was a participant in the Labor Mixed League draft the other night. He had pick number one. Joe, what's up? How's it going, brother? Good to talk to you. It's been too long. I don't think we've talked since, uh, what, summer, since Flex, right? Wow, I think that it is, man. Yeah, yeah, I know. And we kind of live in the same area, too. We need to get, like, the, the group together, like, to go out. I know. That's what I'm saying. There's not enough beer being uh, drunk between the two of us. That's what I'm, that's what I'm getting at. That is true. We have to we have to do something in New York City. Look, <laughs> wait, you'll be at Tout Wars, right? I will be. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Which, which league are you in this year? Uh, I'm actually moving to the head-to-head. I was normally in the mix the last couple of years, but I'm going to do the head-to-head because I like the points now. I'm trying to get them to do head-to-head points the way it's done, but we'll see if I can make that work. I don't know, Ronis. We'll see. Well, yeah, I, you know, I, you do like the points leagues, and you know what? I, we don't talk about it enough in the industry, and I think it is a format that a lot of people play in. I played in it for years. I didn't play in it last year for the first time. I prefer Roto, but I always say, like, a variety is great. You know, that's kind of how I like to do with women. But, <laughs> you know, you always want to try a multitude of formats. But I did enjoy the points leagues. I feel like the Sunday night is fun. So why do you think we should push it a little bit more? Well, I mean, if you go look, I know on CBS, they're, they account for almost half of their leagues right now that they run over there. And, you know, I think that what happens is people want to be able to streamline things. The head-to-head roto categories is not something I like because you're talking about short sample size and the specialists, the guys like Joey Gallo or, you know, some of the guys like D. Gordon who are just specialists and good at one thing have kind of an exorbitant, weird, inflated value in those kind of formats. And that kind of is frustrating because – they're not great major league players. So that in a points league, when you're able to really scale everything properly and weight things, you know, weight saves properly. Like why are, you know, the thing that drives me crazy, Adam, about Roto season long is that 
basically a save is worth as much as a win. Well, that's not fair because you're talking about a save with three outs and you're talking about a win, a guy's pitching at least five innings. That doesn't jive with me. Same thing. Why is a stolen base basically worth the same as a category as home runs are? When a home run generates an RBI, it generates a run scored, generates all these other things. And baseball is about scoring runs and, and winning games that way. So, to me, I look at points league, you can skew it properly, you can make wins worth, you know, seven or eight, you can make saves worth five, you can basically tailor it so that you weight things properly so it's a better reflection of the game, and I think that's what's fun, and the head-to-head aspect is fun of it. We've actually, in my home league, we play all play, so basically every week you play everyone, so that way if you have a good week and you go up against the number one point scorer, you're still winning games that week, so that's a fun way, too, to kind of skew points leagues. Yeah, the one that I did we, for a while, we were playing two teams, and then I think the final year that I played, we were playing three teams a week. So there's different ways to do it. You know, I, I even do it in fantasy football. My home league, we play doubleheaders every week. You know, that offsets, you know, how many times do you start a year 0-3 because you ran into the highest-scoring team the first three weeks of the season. So I think there's different ways, different formats, and it's always good to talk about these. Uh, and I do think a lot of people play in points leagues. And, you know, I'll say it. We really don't talk about it in our show or in our writings. We'll answer questions on our site, on the message board. But I don't think people talk about it a lot. So I, I would like to see Tout Wars do that. I mean, they've already expanded. I'll give them credit. They did the draft and hold league. They did do a head-to-head league. But I would like to see the points leagues done. Uh, in, yeah, in a- and what they tried to do with the head-to-head was a little weird because, like, they made it a head-to-head points, but you're only – it's basically like a modified category. It's like you win pitching, you get points, or you win hitting, you get points, and if you have the most points overall, you get a point. But I'm talking about real points. I'm talking about weighting stuff. I'm talking about, you know, batter strikeouts being negative. I'm talking about pitchers giving up earned runs being negative, that kind of right. stuff. Yes. To me, and I feel like some of the DFS world, Adams, too, has kind of rolled that over into – some new players who come into season long, they don't really want to go to Roto. They're used to point structure stuff. So that's a, a happier place for them to live when they transition to season long leagues. Yeah, we could do a whole segment on this. We might have to in a week or two, but I did bring you on to talk labor. So you had the number one pick. I can't believe you took Mike Trout. Explain that. Please. I know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just got, you know, what's funny, dude, in all of these years and all these drafts that you and I have done and all these things, and even the auctions where you can take anybody you want, I've never had a share of Mike Trout, if you can believe it. Not in any league, not anywhere. It's just never worked out. So this was fun for me. Now, I hope I'm not a jinx, but, yeah, I mean, there's just no way I'm not taking Trout. I don't care what ESPN says. What, did they, what have they said? They have. They uh, said- I think in some spots they have Mookie Betts ranked ahead of him, which, you know, they just like people talking about them. Yeah, I guess so. So let's not do it. Uh, Luis, Severino, <laughs> Luis Severino, I have seen some people are concerned about his second half. He was a lot more hittable. Obviously, he got a contract extension today, but you seem to have no worries. What do you think you attribute? I know there's been some talk. He was tipping pitches. Uh, what do you think happened in the second half? And uh, clearly, you're not worried about him for this year. Well, I talked a lot with Tim Heaney, who's a massive Yankee fan, too. And he definitely thinks, you know, he's part of my Team Black Book uh, group there of the writers. And he also won tout last year in the mixed league. And he thought that the tipping pitches was a real thing. He said, you know, he watched him a ton. He thought that was definitely the issue. But looking at Severino, too, I was actually shocked that so many choices made it back to me. I really contemplated going back-to-back pitching there. You know, I love Walker Bueller, uh, Kershaw on the bounce back and doubling up. That's a perfect scenario. But I was really concerned with not having enough offense because you pass on offense there, you could possibly be behind. So I decided to just go with the one pitcher. And I went with Severino because, look, uh, you can't chase wins, but you can certainly put yourself in a better opportunity for them. And that Yankee bullpen is just unbelievable. So any sort of league that he's handing over there, I mean, really, he's a six-inning pitcher, and I feel very confident if he is a six-inning pitcher 
that he's going to get a ton of W's regardless. And at least I'm going to put myself in a situation I think he's safe. I think the run support's there, the win potential's there. And I had a plan to kind of try to lower any sort of whip and ERA from American League pitchers later on in the draft. I'm talking to Joe Pisapia from the Fantasy Black Book. We're going over his team from the Mixed League of Labor. He had the number one pick. And I was just talking about something I did that you did that was very similar, where I was in the Draft Champions League, and I took a shortstop mm-hmm. early. And it was round eight, and Jose Peraza was there. And I was like, I'm locking up my middle infield spot when I think it's a very deep position at shortstop this year. And I already had my utility spot locked up with Chris Davis. But I couldn't pass on Jose Peraza in the eighth round. He's a guy that I took in tout two years ago early, and he burned me. But we saw him really come on last year. To me, this is a guy that can be 15-30. I love what the Reds lineup has done. Kind of talk about, because you did the same thing. You had a shortstop, and you said, hey, I don't care. I'm taking, I'll lock up my middle infielder here in round seven. Give me your thought process there on what happened. Well, I agree with you, dude, 100% about the Reds' situation. I think that team is going to – if they can get just a little bit of pitching, they could be so dangerous. But I did the same thing. I mean, shortstop is deep, so I had Bogarts already. But I, this is something – it's Fantasy Black Book 101. It's in the book. It's you know, it's, it, People sometimes get way too concerned about trying to fill out roster spots and positions instead of trying to get talent. I'd rather be great at middle infield – and have a great shortstop, too, than trying to just say, well, you know what, I'm going to take somebody, and and again, I'm going to use the terminology from the book in relative position value terms, taking somebody who's a negative player just because he plays second base and I don't have a second baseman yet. Well, no, that's stupid. If you're going to end up in the negative anyway because the positive guys are already gone, well, then you might as well keep building strength, and and that's how I always look at things. Uh, I took Bryant, who qualifies at two spots. I took Will Myers, who qualifies at two spots, because that also gave me flexibility throughout the draft to let the draft come to me and keep taking talent. I can move those guys from third base to outfield to utility or corner, wherever I need to. And I think that sort of mentality, especially for the first half of the draft, you're, you should be taking talent, 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 worry about filling spots and depth in the second half. And that's when you worry about that. And I think that's one of the big mistakes people make in baseball and football, trying to fill out positions instead of trying to create an advantage and trying to create strength on your roster somewhere. Completely agree. I say it all the time. There are so many people that can break down players. They do a good job. They analyze right. it well. They don't know how to build a roster successfully. It's not just going off a top 300 list, which I think is the stupidest thing in baseball. Oh, it's, it's, it's in the, it's, I think it's actually in last year's book. There's nothing dumber. <laughs> you can go in the black book. It says there's nothing dumber than top 100 lists. It is completely useful. It's a complete wash, and people want to see it. They want to say, well, what are your rankings? Why do I have this guy over that guy? But what about the format you're playing in? I mean, what about – there's so many things that enter into it in terms of roster construction and format. And in the Black Book, I always try to say format dictates player value more necessarily than the player's talent does because it's about that talent in that format and how much they can do for you. So it's nice to talk to somebody else who agrees and how stupid, yet they're everywhere, dude. I will not do it. Um, even if they, if they Oh, have, me neither. Oh, I, please, no. Because no. cause there, you know there's going to be a few people out there that really trust your opinion. They're going to sit there, and they're going to cross names off. So they'll take Turner in the first round. They'll be like, well, the best guy on my list is Billy Hamilton. I guess I got to take him. Oh, the best guy on my list now is Malik Smith. I'll take him. Could you imagine a team with Billy Hamilton and Malik Smith on it? <laughs> well, and, and to the worst part is what happens is they get into this weird list thing, and they're not staying flexible to what's happening in the draft. And that's the thing you've got to watch out for, too. You know, when you know, it's kind of a hokey thing, the whole zig when other people zag kind of thing. But if you really are paying attention to the ebb and flow of the draft, and it's a lot easier when you're on a wheel 
than in, you know, sometimes in some other spots of the draft. But when you're on a wheel pick especially or towards the end or towards the beginning, you can really watch things develop and see what's coming off the board. And, and it allows you an opportunity to say, all right, don't chase these guys who are going to be well, – I'm not going to spend either draft capital or draft dollars on middling closers. If I miss the high-end closers who I believe in, then I'm not just going to try to you know, fill those guys because they're on the, the quote-unquote list. I'm going to wait because I'll find saves, I'll figure it out on the waiver wire, or I'll figure it out late and just take bullpens that are you know, undervalued or people don't think as much of and just kind of lock up that team bullpen and then just do it that way. Josh Hader in round eight. Now, obviously, we know he's probably not going to get every save. I, I, they'll probably use him in a different areas, bring him in in the seventh. What is your approach to Hader? Were you just looking at it saying, hey, I'll get some saves out of him, and he's going to give me tremendous ratios? What was the thought process in taking well, Hader there? Ding, ding, ding. This was, this was the plan for you know having two American League pitchers at the top of my staff and Severino and Berrios. A guy like Hader is going to give me so many quality innings. He's going to give me – 140 strikeouts, which is as much or more than some of the low-end starting pitchers are going to give you. And, you know, if he does end up closing a ton of games, awesome. If he gets some slop wins, awesome. Everything is gravy with him. He's literally there in my rotation for that. And I tried very hard to build a rotation full of depth. You know, when I went with Carlos Martinez next and then Jay Happ and John Lester, guys who are proven and I know I'm going to get innings out of Lester and Hap. I, I feel good about those kind of guys. If Martinez closes, awesome. If Martinez bounces back as a starter, awesome. As my number three, I've given myself a good spot there. And then I took a shot on a guy like Jimmy Nelson, who's like my sixth starting pitcher. And to me, I look at that as saying, hey, if he goes back to anything like he was two years ago when he's healthy, that is a huge win. And you look, it's really hard in a 15-team league to have depth at starting pitcher. And I think that my team actually has that. Miguel Cabrera, round 14. Very interesting player for this year. How do you yeah. look at Cabrera? Do you say, hey, it's round 14. If this guy's healthy, he'll hit. And, you know, if he's not healthy, you know, it's only the 14th round pick. So kind of what was the thought process with Cabrera there? Well, look, I think it's 14th round. You go, okay, do I want to waste a pick on a guy who's never done it before? Or I want to try to plant the flag and go with a guy who's a Hall of Famer. And last year when he was healthy, he was Miguel Cabrera. I know the power was down a little bit, but – you and I both know when you go month to month, you can see three home run months and you can see 12 home runs in a month from a guy. You know, sometimes it's just the wackiness, that stuff over the course of a season tends to finish out. He had a ton of personal stuff going on last year, too. So hopefully everything is in order there with him. Uh, to me, I look at Cabrera as first base is not great this year. So I'd much rather take a shot on a guy like Votto or Cabrera than I would necessarily of taking a shot on. I mean, as much as I like Cody Bellinger, those guys you got to pay a lot for. And at the end of the day, who's to say that his season's going to be necessarily better than a guy like Avado or like a Cabrera? Yeah, it feels like Cabrera's like a player that everyone kind of is avoiding, and then he keeps slipping, and then someone says, all right, I got to take a shot now, because if he is healthy, he can smash. Well, we left David Ortiz for dead a couple years ago, remember? I, that was like three years in a row, it felt like. He was like, he left him for dead and he was getting old and then he bounced back and he had like two glorious seasons. And, and that's the thing. He's going to go to DH probably most of the time. So I, I don't see how that's a problem, especially when you consider it's nothing but upside there. And I also have Desmond who qualifies at first too, who I know he's going to kill me a little bit in the batting average, but you know, how many guys can you say are going to be 20, 20, 80, 80. And I look at Desmond as that. So if I have to move him around or you take a guy like Polanco, and this is kind of what I'm saying if you're worried about just taking players and they happen to take guys also with position flexibility early, it allows things to open up where I was able to take a, a flyer on 
uh, Gregory Polanco later. If he comes back healthy, well, I can slide Desmond to first base if I need to or move Miguel Cabrera out if things aren't working out. So uh, there's always a negative stigma to the older guys, guys like Kemp. I mean, how many times do we write off Matt Kemp and how many times does he keep hitting and driving in 100 runs? <laughs> I'm just like, guys, I know he's earmarked to be the platoon guy, but, I mean, when Matt Kemp stops hitting, that's when he'll stop playing. Yeah, got him in an NFBC auction for three bucks last year. Yeah, um, I got him for twenty-two in a twenty-second round. This, yeah, this exactly. Draft, so. uh, real quick, Strope and Brandon Morrow, because Doc had brought that up, he asked me what I thought uh, of you doing that, and I said, if you have unlimited DL spots, I'm okay. Morrow's probably opening the year on a DL. There are there DL spots in this league? I'm assuming, yeah. Yes, right? there are. Mm-hmm, is that yep. so? That what it was there is just you're kind of protecting your investment. Exactly. That's exactly what it is because I think there's, I would say there's a seventy-five percent chance if Strope pitches well, that he doesn't give that job up. But by May 1st, I'll know what the situation is there, and that'll give me a little flexibility. At least I have insurance, and they don't have enough money to go sign a Kimbrel. They already The Cubs are already locked out of free agents because they got so much money in Darvish. Yeah, and then, you know, this is what you kind of do in those reserve rounds. You kind of take a shot on a couple of – especially to me, when you do a draft this early, you take a shot. You know, a Boxberg, a Melanson in the last round. I mean, he could close. Yeah. So that that's what I like to do in those Save rounds. is a save is a save, dude, you know? Yeah. We're, we're, and this year it's going to be even more difficult navigating with all these teams coming out and saying, yeah, we're not aiming a closer. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely going to be a crazy time there for sure. I mean, uh, and, and even, you know, I'm not one to take a lot of rookies either, but taking a guy like Keston Hira, I think that there's opportunity for him to play if they don't sign Moustakas. And even if they do, who knows, there could be opportunity for him. So, you know, I'm, I'm very careful. I like to take my bonus guys towards the end of a draft, not in the beginning. That way they are just that. They're bonus guys. They're not anchors, you know. All right, Joe, let people know where they can find you. Uh, let's see. You can follow me on the Twitter machine at Joe Pisa PS17, uh, the new fantasy baseball black book 2019, number one in fantasy sports on Amazon for the 13th straight time. Uh, you can pick it up for Kindle or for uh, paperback there. It's also on iTunes. And uh, of course, you can hear me uh, every week, twice a week on the fantasy black book show with uh, Bogman and Welsh. So that's a good time show. Let me tell you. It's good to talk to you, Ronis. I miss you, baby. Definitely. We'll talk more, man. All right. We'll get you on again sometime soon. Okay. Sounds good, brother. All right, man. Have a great weekend. You too, dude. All right. That was Joe Pisapia. Again, you can find me, scoutfantasysports.com. Our rankings will be up shortly. And enter the promo code BATS50. Get 50% off your first two months of fantasy baseball draft. It is fire. Tons of great content. So check it out now. Enjoy the weekend. Off on Monday. Be back Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.